Blog Talk Radio. Welcome, world. Welcome once again to Tuesday Talk with Key West Lou. I am your host, Louis Patron. Well, another wild week behind us. Uh, you know, several months ago, it was Syria. Everything was the war in Syria. That was 99% of the news. Then we got into the primaries, and the primaries were the news, and the election uh, was the news, properly so. And now we're into a little bit of everything, but something that stood out for the last two weeks, it seems, is Standing Rock, North Dakota. I dedicated my entire show last week to Standing Rock and the problem of the Sioux Indians there. Today, referred to as Native Americans. I went all the way back to the days of George Custer and Little Bighorn and the Black Hills and the gold and that sort of thing and brought you up to date. Interesting background, all of this. I went over the background before. Most of you are aware of the background because it is in the news and on TV every day. And I just want to bring you up to the last 48 to 72 hours because interesting things have been happening. Sunday morning in my blog, I write a daily blog, as you're aware, read by something like 30,000 people worldwide. Sunday morning in my blog, uh, I wrote about David and Goliath. That's what I titled the blog. And what was I referring to? Well, obviously, I was referring to Standing Rock. And the Indians... The Native Americans were David, and Goliath, of course, is the federal, state, and local governments, together with the corporation trying to put in the pipeline, and the mercenary soldiers, Tag Swan, that they brought on the property, and I refer to them as Goliath. But it's even more close to the Old Testament story. Because whereas the Goliath portion of this, corporate America, federal, state, local governments have armored vehicles, they, they, they have purportedly the law on their side because most of them are police officials, uh, and they have all sorts of modern equipment. They also have two different type grenades, stunt rubber bullets, uh, tear gas, the Indians, the Native Americans, and I'm not trying to be offensive when I refer to them as Indians, the Native Americans, uh, they had diddly dip. Here's what they had. Hear what I'm saying? This is it. They were fighting this war, and it was a war against the forces of the other side with slingshots. Did you hear me? Remember, David? He got... he. He put Goliath down with a slingshot. The Indians were using slingshots, rocks, and bottles. And instead of having armored vehicles or mechanized vehicles, they had horses. If you saw them on television or on the Internet, they're riding horses. Like in the old days, it reminded me, too, of when the Germans, when Hitler went into Poland, when he started World War II, he had the Blitzkrieg, uh, and he had airplanes, he had tanks, he had all kinds of mechanized equipment. The Poles lasted all of 48 hours, I think. Poles were opposing all this German might. 
with soldiers on horses. Okay? So there's the David and Goliath portion, and that's what I wrote about Sunday morning. I said, it's going to be a hell of a battle here. Uh, sort of lopsided, but there are 2,000 Indians, and it was anticipated there would be 2,000 veterans of United States military services who were joining them. So you had 4,000 standing against this military might. Then it became, this became a big concern on Sunday. Because Monday, yesterday, was December 5th. This is a day-by-day situation. And the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers, who were running the show for the federal government, had announced that on Monday, December 5th, at a specified time, if the Native Americans and whoever else was there protesting had not left, they would be deemed to be trespassers and subject to arrest. So we're going to have a physical confrontation, no question about it, a disgrace if it ever happened in this country like this. But there is a major uh, military-type war on the doorstep. So Sunday night, uh, it's announced by the Department of the Army that they've decided they're not going to enforce the rule that you have to get on on December 5th. They're going to put a hold on the construction. They're going to review the permits, uh, and they're going to withdraw the easement that had been given to the pipeline company to proceed, in addition to which they were going to do a full environmental study, which would take months. A victory, a victory for the Native Americans. Well, that was Sunday night. Monday morning yesterday, I wrote in my blog, Uh, I titled it Standing Rock, a Trojan Horse. Beware of Greeks bearing gifts. Now, why did I say that? Because the Indians got screwed 150 years ago, 200 years ago by our government, and I can see it happening again this week, okay? Even though it sounds like a victory for the Native Americans, what happens, though? And here's what concerned me here. Uh, The... You can't trust corporate America. That's number one. You can't trust corporate America, number one. Number two, you can't trust the government in most instances today either. And uh, what happens? What happens after the Native Americans, the Indians and the veterans, leave the property and go home, and then the Army says, or the Corps of Engineers, the job can go ahead. 4,000 people have left the area they're protesting, uh, how are they going to get back in time? How are they going to regurgitate, re- rebuild, start this whole thing over again? And this would be the government and the corporation conning these people. And it would be too late for them to do anything. Uh, they would be moving on the pipeline and have no way of availing themselves of any remedy. So I was wary, and I still am wary, of a national uh, of an American Indian victory here. I look at it as a hollow one. Another reason being Trump has announced during the campaign that he's for the pipeline. It's also been reported in several places in the past week that Trump owns stock in the, uh, in the pipeline company. And uh, I just don't trust anyone involved. Now, remember we the people, we the people, we're supposed to be in control in this country. Ain't no more. 
the we the people no longer control in the United States. Money's the problem. We have well-paid lobbyists, uh, corporate America funding this whole thing over the past 30 years. People in this country have been reduced to plebeians. Poor people, little people. Remember old Rome? The corporations are the patricians, the people on top. They eat good. The plebeians, they don't. Uh, And then in between, in between the patricians and the plebeians, you have the government, who are the hired hands. They are the servants of corporate America. Think about it. It's true. Why am I worried about this thing? Why do I consider it a hollow victory here? Number one. The U.S. Army Corps of Engineers has been making decisions on this pipeline job from day one. However, stop the job uh, order that came out Sunday night was by the Department of Army. Now, the Department of Army is the big boss. The Corps of Engineers is a division within the Department of of the Army. Does it make sense, though? The decision should have come from the Corps of Engineers. What does this mean? There's... There's fighting going on in the background here in the Army and the Corps of Engineers and everybody else. So we don't know how strong that decision is, number one. Number two, the corporation CEO says the pipeline company will still proceed. They're not going to stop work, okay? And he believes that the contracts and other documents give them the right to proceed. And all that has happened here has been the result of a political decision that will not hold up in court. So the government now, the Department of Army says stop, and he says screw you. He says that to the, the our federal government, the Department of the Army, to the Native Americans, uh, to the veterans out there, and to, every, and to even the judicial system, I'm going to assume here in due course. He says we have the right to proceed, and we're going to do it. Uh, he also has said repeatedly, when Trump, Goes, gets sworn into office, everything will turn around with great confidence, okay? Remember, Trent supported, supports the pipeline. He owns stock in the company. Some things now that have occurred in the last 10, 12 hours. This thing is moving every day by hour. Uh, the, the corporation has said, the pipeline company, they will complete the pipeline no matter what the federal government says not my words president of the pipeline company we will complete the pipeline no matter what the federal government says now what is he saying he's saying they're going to go out and finish it it's you know this this pipeline is i think 1100 miles the whole thing's done except for the last 100 miles that's what we're arguing about uh and they're apparently there is in the contracts, the paperwork involved in this thing, where the corporation, the pipeline company, has the option to defy a federal, a Department of Army or Corps of Engineers determination whereby they should stop working. They take this position that there's something in the agreements that say we can continue working even though you tell us to stop, and for every day we work, we have to pay a fine of $50,000, every day $50,000. We will pay the $50,000. We will pay the $50,000. Uh, 
Why? Well, the pre- the CEO says we are losing $80 million a month by not having this pipeline completed, $80 million a month. If you multiply 50,000 times 30 days, it's only $1.5 million, a drop in the bucket compared to $80 million. So they are uh, willing to pay the 50000 and they are going to proceed. I want to go back a week and show you the attitude of the state and local governments in this thing, because I don't know what's going on, but uh, these Native Americans are not getting, we're not getting, we're not getting a fair day in court, so to speak. The governor on 1129, on November 29th, the governor and sheriff of Morton County, governor of North Dakota, governor of Morton County, began blocking all food and building materials from being delivered into the protest site. Now, you got 2,000 Native Americans. Eventually, you had 2,000 veterans. You got 4,000 people, no foods coming in. They also prevented delivery onto the site of building materials so these people could build shacks. The temperature's been running 26 degrees out there every day. It's cold, cold in North Dakota. You see it. Uh, and these people, they're, they're hanging with shingles off their faces. And they stopped food and building materials so they could protect themselves. These are nice guys. Tomorrow, we're moving to another issue, Pearl Harbor. Tomorrow's December 7th, the 75th anniversary of Pearl Harbor. As President Roosevelt said, a day that will live in infamy. Uh, Something occurred on the day before Pearl Harbor that is little known on December 6th, and I wish to share it with you. American intelligence knew the Japanese were going to attack, as did the British intelligence. The problem was, who was going to get attacked? Intelligence told Roosevelt that Thailand was going to be attacked by the Japanese. Because in the two or three days before December 7th, the Japanese fleet was seen heading for Thailand, okay? There was a bigger fleet out there going to Pearl Harbor, but no one saw it. Roosevelt, on December 6th, the day before Pearl Harbor, fearing for many deaths in Thailand, sent a telegram to Emperor Hirohito. Again, assuming that Thailand was going to be attacked, and he said, and I quote, for the sake of humanity, intervene to protect further death and destruction in the world. Intervene to protect further death and destruction in the world, believing that Thailand was going to be attacked and uh, Pearl Harbor. Well, Thailand turned out to be a ruse. It was a bluff. It was intended by the Japanese, hoping that the fleet would be spotted and the Americans would think we weren't going to, they weren't, we were not going to be attacked. It was going to be Thailand, and we never discovered the larger fleet on the way to Pearl Harbor. Pearl Harbor was the next day. I want to get into Venezuela again. I haven't talked about them in a few weeks. I want to give an update on Venezuela. Uh, I, 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 this guy's been president. Uh, Nicolas Maduro has been president of Venezuela for three years. Soon after he was elected, I started paying attention to him, and I said, this guy has to be an idiot. He ran out of toilet paper. The people of Venezuela still do not have toilet paper. 
Then he ran out of everything else, from gasoline to food. Food's the major thing today, all right? Understand that in Venezuela today, the people ran out of food. They ate their pets, their dogs, and their cats. Then they invaded the zoos, killed the animals, and brought them home to eat. They ripped everything out of the ground that was growing to eat. They got down to grass and started boiling it to make uh, uh, soup. There's no grass left. Families are eating every second or third day, even babies. Things are tough there. Now, why don't the people revolt? My God, they should have revolted a long time ago. The problem is Maduro is supported by the military. The people got no support, and I think they're afraid. They need some revolutionary hero to come out there and do something uh, because they're taking a hell of a beating. Now, what's going on in the meantime uh, this past week in Venezuela? Well, number one, uh, Maduro's wife is Celia Flores. Celia Flores has two nephews, Frankie Frietas and Elfrain Flores, uh, again, nephews, and they got involved in a multi-million dollar cocaine deal. They were going to bring cocaine to the United States, and they were going to bring cocaine to the United States to help Maduro because he needed money to keep bribing the military to keep Maduro in Power. This is the way the proof went on the trial. Um, the case was tried before a federal jury in Manhattan. One month trial, 30 days. The charge was conspiring to import cocaine into the United States. They both were convicted. They face life in prison when sentenced. Specifically what the nephews were doing, they wanted to send 80 kilograms of cocaine to Honduras for shipment into the United States. In order to assist in this endeavor, they planned to use Maduro's presidential hangar at a Venezuelan airport to begin the trip to Honduras. This all came out at the trial. The nephews really turned out to be the gang that couldn't shoot straight. 29 and 30 years old, uh, they weren't pros in this at all. Uh, they were incompetent. They actually were caught in a sting by federal officials, our federal officials, before they actually took too many steps into this endeavor. Maduro today says it's Obama's fault. Obama set up his nephews to be convicted. And so that's what's going down with that. Banking in Venezuela. Don't bank in Venezuela. I'm laughing already in Venezuela. Uh, the banks are in trouble, no question about it. Inflation exceeds 750%. I mean, that means money is useless. You need tons of money. Uh, and what happens now, no one wants checks or anything. Citizens need to carry cash to make even the simplest purchases, some food if they can find it and things like that. What has happened is, the citizens were making a run on the banks. It was a half-assed run. They wanted to grab their money and get it out. Well, if the banks had all the money taken out of them, the banks were going to fail. They would be into bankruptcy, and Maduro's economy would totally fail, not 90% probably as it already is. So Maduro had a cap put on daily withdrawals from savings and checking accounts. 
an individual or depositor could only withdraw $5 American money per day. Would you believe it? $5 American money today. You can't buy anything for $5 American money in Venezuela. That's equivalent to $10,000 Venezuelan money, by the way. And it applied to all banks and ATMs. What happens now? Well, when people go shopping, they need cash. But with inflation at 750% plus, it means a lot of dollars. They carry cash in large satchels in paper bags because there's inflation. I don't know what a quart of milk or a loaf of bread costs, but probably $2 million or something. So they need a lot of paper money. And the merchants don't have the time to count the money. So what are they doing instead? I'm laughing already. They're weighing the money. That's how they determine whether you're making a purchaser is making proper payment. They weigh the money because they do not have the time to count it. Let's go to the weather. There's an Arctic blast on the way coming across this country from the northwest to the northeast, and eventually it'll be down here, even in Florida. Today it's really in the in the in the west. Friday and Saturday it's anticipated it'll be on the Atlantic seaboard. And uh, it'll be in parts of Florida, it'll be all over Florida, even Key West. It's been reported that the temperature in Orlando will be 30 to 40 degrees, and such will be the temperature going north in the state of Florida. We are going to get a blessing here in Key West. Still cold, 71 by day on Friday and 67 by night. Saturday warms up by about 5 degrees. We've been having 80, 85 weather except for two or three days a month ago. Weather's fantastic this year down here. It was 82 today. Uh, the nights are warm. They're not warm, warm. You don't need air conditioning. You leave your window open. It's perfect. 67 degrees. You've heard me say it in the past and write it in my daily blog. is cold. I will tell you I will have the heat on uh, Friday night because 67 degrees is just too cold down here, and everyone will have their heat on, and we'll wear long pants and all that sort of thing, but only for 24 to 48 hours. But a cold blast is coming across this country, going to do big-time damage, uh, deaths, et cetera, along the, the northern part of the country throughout. Saturday night, when we are going to be into the cold Arctic blast uh, and the temperature at night will be about 70 degrees. And understand, 73 and lower is cold here. You, if you got temperature 85 degrees all day, every day, and all of a sudden you drop to 70 or 73, that's 15 degrees. You're cold. You feel the change. Well, this is Christmas time. Our lighted boat parade, our famous lighted boat parade, is down off Schooner Wharf in the Gulf. On Saturday night, this is a big deal, 60, 70 boats, all sizes, some big, some small, We're going, are going to be decorated like people decorate their homes for Christmas. And people go on the boats, they're on the shore, it's party time. I've been on the boat several times. I was on there one night when it was cold. I can't tell you how cold, and I was dressed for it, and even with a winter jacket with a hood. I kept drinking. I even danced. This was a big boat I was on. They were dancing. They had a band to keep warm. And it's going to affect the lighted boat parade, but I'm going to tell you right now, 
people will still be there partying. Ecuador. Ecuador. No, I'm not. I'm sorry, not Ecuador. Remember, President Eisenhower said, beware of the military-industrial complex. When he retired, beware of the military-industrial complex. Trump is on TV, has been on TV tonight. Earlier, he was to announce his appointee to be Secretary of Defense. It's already public. Uh, it's going to be General, retired General James Metlis. Supposedly, a, a war hero, very well respected in all areas of government, the military service, uh, a top-notch, uh, top-notch individual. There's a one problem. He's got a couple of problems, but the one problem is he retired, I think, three years ago. And these fellows, you know, they get jobs right away with big companies. Well, the biggest military contractor, defense contractor in the world is General Dynamics. And General Dynamics put General Matlas on their board of directors 30, uh, uh, three years ago. Now, they do a hell of a big business, something like $250 billion a year. This is not kid stuff. And they rely heavily on the Pentagon for contracts. And, of course, as Secretary of Defense, he's going to be in charge of the Pentagon, amongst other things. Why, in the three years he has been a director, on the, uh, one of 13 directors on the board at General Dynamics, he earned in cash money. $594,369. He also received $900,000 in stock. That's like a $1.4 million in three years. More money than he ever made in the military uh, in comparable periods. I think it creates a problem for this guy. Uh, he, that's going to be the biggest customer of the United States, or the United States is General Dynamics' biggest customer. They've changed his whole life with this kind of money, he's not going to keep getting it, but now he's got to make decisions affecting who gets what contract and whether they get certain contracts. It's placing him in a difficult position. I am not saying the man is dishonest. I'm saying he should not be placed in that, in that position. Uh, it doesn't look good. You should never test a man's ethical standards. Uh, there are other jobs he could have been given. So he's going to be, he's going to get the job, but it doesn't look good. It's going to affect him during his hearings. I don't think it'll bar, stop him, though, because the Republicans will be uh, interviewing him. There is, and I'm going to go through this quickly, a study was done. This was reported, by the, by the way, yesterday in the Washington Post. An internal study by an outside agency was done. Uh, the report was given on January 1, 2015. Uh, and it was of the Pentagon, and a $125 billion waste was found. One, I'm talking about the general. You've got to watch out for that situation. Now we're finding they, they can't find an effect or they don't know what happened. They've, people aren't working. They've got $125 billion bureaucratic waste, as they describe it. Uh, what it boils down to, backroom jobs, too many backroom jobs, can't find them all, don't know who's doing what, are they there? And what, where's all this money that, that went for this? <laughs> There's $125 billion that can't be accounted for. Uh, difficult situation. The, the Pentagon employs 1,014,000 people. That's a lot of employees. That's military, civilian, and contractors. Uh, the study also said, how can we 
stop this situation from occurring, this bleeding of monies. And it was just, it was said that we start eliminating these back office jobs that we that people aren't even working at, and we can reduce that by one-third over five years. Can't do it completely. Sounds stupid, sounds screwy. This is the kind of waste they have in federal government, and they want to cut Medicare, Medicaid, Social Security. They're a bunch of hordes, even in government. The people are supposed to be representing us. They are not. That's the show for this week. Uh, thank you for joining me. I, I hope you enjoyed the material I selected to discuss tonight. It's today's stuff. It's 12 hours ago, some of the material on uh, the, the North Dakota situation. Uh, and so be it. I enjoyed putting tonight's show together. Again, I hope you enjoy it. enjoyed it. This show is archived. Most of you re- listen to it while it's archived. Uh, and it's archived on Block Talk Radio, YouTube, link to key- and link to my Key West Lou website. Uh, this show gets bigger and bigger every week. I keep saying it the last several weeks because my numbers are getting larger and larger. I know I have advertisers. It's amazing, I think. Read my blog that I write every morning, keywestlou.com. That's how you find it. Very easy, keywestlou, one word, L-O-U.com. Uh, it'll take you all of 30, 40 to 60 seconds to read it. Uh, it's basically my life in Key West the day before, and I throw in some political stuff uh, that that's occurring in the country right now. I think you will enjoy it. Thank you again for joining me. I look forward to being with you next week.